pessoas que desapareciam. Se trata de la guerra como modelo de gobierno. Cuando un cuerpo negro habla, Mortales Extravagantes, segunda temporada. to the second season of Extravagant Mortals podcast. My name is Manuela Illera. I am the director, producer, and host of today's episode. It's been a while since our last episode in English, but we're back to put you up to date in our conversations. I'm talking about us because we, Extravagant Mortals, is a team now. I'm thrilled and extremely happy to introduce you to two new members of this project, Lina Bravo and Catalina Gomez, my friends, my sisters. These two Colombians are part of the research team helping with the creation of scripts. They go deep into the subjects and themes we want to work in the new season of Extravagant Mortals podcast. As you probably noticed already, my mother tongue is Spanish and that's why this podcast is also hosted in Spanish. Si usted habla español y quiere escuchar esta información en este idioma, vaya al capítulo anterior. Este es una especie de resumen en inglés. This episode, as I just mentioned, is more like a capsule, trying to summarize what we spoke about in our last episode conducted in Spanish. It's basically the same content, but translated. For us, it's important that if we're criticizing or talking about colonialism, the conversation just has to go out to the ones who actually need to hear it. And that's why we want to open up the conversation and show you why it's relevant that you know what Latin American youth and artists are thinking and talking about because we think this concerns you directly. In today's episode... Technologies of Representation and Resistance. Join us in our mothership. 
In today's episode, we want to talk about maps, the science of cartography and why this is directly related to colonialism and power. We live in a system where capital has more value than life itself. So we have been classified, ordered and represented through a patriarchal, capitalist and colonial value system. In our view, these codes reveal structures of domination and ways in which each of their agents has greater or lesser freedom in producing, broadcasting, receiving, interpreting and reinterpreting the images that move the world. We want to create narratives that allow us to understand ourselves as complex systems and generate a prism of readings about these punctual symbols of power we want to talk about today. We want to return to the discussion about taking and tearing down monuments of very questionable figures. We will emphasize a particular case that occurred in Colombia in September last year, 2020, a key year in this anti-racist, iconoclast war against statues that symbolized the decrease and annihilation of minorities and some parts of the population. Maps and Monuments Technologies of Representation and Resistance A research by Lina Bravo and Catalina Gomez We're thinking about the relationships between power and cartography. From a decolonial perspective, we question the map as an objective scientific product. Maps are cultural constructions. Cartographers are part of their time, and their knowledge is an instrument of power. In Western history, rulers have driven the development of cartographic science. We have inherited maps made from the highest ranks of power. We can read maps as texts, and by studying their conventions like the center's location, the scale, the elements that are highlighted or omitted, etc., we will try to deconstruct their quote-unquote universal truths. The earliest known world map, made of clay, located Babylon at the center of the world. Europe was not always the center of the world, before the American colonization, it was actually located on the edge, being, at that time, the Middle East the actual center of civilization development and therefore the center of the world. This so-called center of the world moves depending on the context where maps are created. Keep in mind that today, the zero or Greenwich Meridian from which we measure our time worldwide passes arbitrarily through London. Territorial ownership and its delimitation have been an important motor of cartography. In the Roman Empire, copies of cadastral plans of its complete territories were kept in their colonies and in Rome. In the Spanish Empire, Charles V ordered the Netherlands complete cadastral plans. 
With this first approach to cartography, the development of new measuring instruments arose at his court, bringing what is known today as the Mercator projection that happened in 1569. Its emergence at the Spanish Empire's height reveals the strong relationship between cartography and colonialism. Three centuries later, in 1884, during the Berlin Conference, European powers tried to regulate the division of the African territory. A large map was installed, representing the African continent with its detailed water bodies, some names, and a lot of blank space. There was no representation of the African peoples of any kind. The white zones on the map and mostly on the European mental map, made it possible to divide Africa from a zenithal point of view, violently marking with its lines the destiny of its people and its territories forever. Alles, was zu ist, das bleibt also auch zu. Cartography is an ideological instrument that performs symbolic violence. It reinforces the direct violence from the hegemonic powers. With its zenithal vision, the body is taken out of the territory and an external, timeless gaze is imposed upon it. This positivist and destructive vision of the territory is privileged and imposed over a diversity of other experiences and realities. Imagine all the other possible representations of the Earth that have been relegated by our current global map. How can we appropriate cartography as a means of resistance? Is that possible? How can we stop reproducing its symbolic violence? From where do we want to represent all the possible worlds that make up this planet? Let's put the body and the experience in the middle of the map. We will indeed find new forms and colors to unlearn and queerly resist the different forms of violence we have inherited. When was the last time you turned a world map? Or the last time you consulted an atlas? There is really no need to. We have the map of the world in our pocket. GPS technology has radically changed the way we relate to space and territory. Google Maps, along with information from other Google services, knows where people live and work, the bars and restaurants they frequent, and their interests. There is a tab at the bottom of the Maps application homepage that is called For You. This might suggest a vegan bakery while saying you seem interested in vegan. The voice prompts in the Maps app started mentioning names of well-known brands that are already big buyers of Google search ads. Instead of saying turn right on Academy Street, the app sometimes says turn right at Starbucks or turn left at Dunkin' Donuts. Google said these are not ads, 
adding that fast food chains, banks, and other businesses are useful landmarks to guide Maps users. In January 2014, top-secret documents leaked by Edward Snowden revealed that U.S. intelligence agencies, NSA, and Britain's GCHQ intercept Google Maps queries made from smartphone on a massive scale, in addition to the user's geographical location, clearly. The document, dated 2008, more than 10 years ago now, stated that anyone using Google Maps on a smartphone is helping to develop GCHQ's mass surveillance systems. The documents leaked by Snowden have been made public through international media, Australian Broadcasting Corporation, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, Channel 4, The Spiegel, El País, El Mundo, L'Espresso, Le Monde, South China Morning Post, Süddeutsche Zeitung, The Guardian, The New York Times, and The Washington Post, among others. Now the map not only divides us, it watches us, suggests things, talks. You're going the wrong way. In a quarter of a mile, your destination will be on the right. I'm hot like a Cheeto, got different flavors like Dorito. I'm original like Lay's. You bitches are corny like burritos. From maps to territory and from territory to monuments. Monuments that sprout like a tectonic accident at the convergence of institutional plagues. Often arbitrary exaltations of characters who have performed violence against part of society. Statue of Belgium's King uh, Leopold II has been removed from Antwerp and may not be returned. The statue was burned and hit with red paint during anti-racism protests following George Floyd's death. Es una vía de la que dispone en estos momentos la sociedad civil para manifestar un descontento. Las estatuas están cayendo. But similar events are happening all over the place. We want to keep Hamiltonians Soy bastante claro. No deberíamos conmemorar o celebrar como íconos a personas que son esclavistas, dueñas de plantaciones. Britain lurched around a corner confronting the worst of its colonial racist past Sunday as protesters at a Black Lives Matter march in the port city of Bristol toppled a statue of 17th century slave trader Edward Colston, then trundled it through the city's tarmac streets and The Misak case, recovering the territory to recover everything. Monuments are powerful thinking machines embedded in urban landscapes. They surpass human scale and impose themselves massively on the cities. They bring the past into the present. But what past are we talking about? Which are the figures and events that claim prominence in collective memory? The monument is a technology of representation as old as human history. It is a material and architectural expression of a model of thought. What is its relationship with history? And how do different communities interact with these communication devices? 
The year 2020 left several discussions around the fall of monuments all over the planet. What is happening behind these actions? Are they merely catalysts of collective indignation and rage? Are they purposeless acts of vandalism that help to undermine nations' sense of tranquility? Are these the images of the dominant ideology's decay? Indeed, we face numerous stressful scenarios that remind us that the past is not a straight line that extends and advances uniformly to the future. Memory is not one, but all the visions that emanate from an experience. It is time to reevaluate the concept of heritage and the ways of appropriating it. Many contexts lead to the destruction of these power pieces made to last, still susceptible to disappear. Ancient orders are consecutively fulminated by novelties that impose themselves and transform spaces. Today we would like to share with you the case of the Misak and El Morro del Tulcán. In 2020, the Misak community, descendants of the Puvenenses, original inhabitants of southwestern Colombia, perform a political statement. By knocking down the statue resembling the Spanish colonizer and genocide Sebastián del Alcázar, they demand back their memory and ancestral right over their sacred territory. Their motto is claiming the territory to recover everything. This character rides an enormous horse that raises its leg over the sacred summit of the Misak. This reflects the colonial imposition of memory and the invisibilization of indigenous patrimony by the Hispanic elite. This region is a very strategic geographical spot due to its proximity to the Pacific Ocean, the abundance of water and closeness to the Amazon jungle. It is also a territory with enormous ethnical diversity with numerous indigenous black and peasant communities, though the city of Popayán is known as the White City of Colombia, as if such an adjective could cover up the history of the original cultures and the African diaspora's latent presence. In this area of the country there are numerous conflict scenarios. There are political confrontations between local communities and territorial disputes with large landowners all exacerbated by the military and paramilitary groups and guerrillas. Cauca has at least 35 hotspots. And in 2020, at least 90 social leaders were assassinated. It's one of the most violent regions of Colombia. In between this web full of tensions, the Misak-Misak have been resistance in the conquest time. They have supported the government's peace processes with the different armed groups and they are highly organized. As part of an action plan that is oriented towards the recovery of the territory, on September 16, 
2020 celebrating the memory of indigenous cultures around the world, the Indigenous Association of the Southwest, AISO, held a historical trial in which they collectively took down the statue of the Spanish Sebastián de el Alcázar, which was found guilty of genocide, enslavement, displacement and rape of the natives. Un grupo de indígenas tumbó la estatua del conquistador Sebastián de Belalcázar en Popayán, Cauca, durante un juicio simbólico que se realizó este miércoles 16 de septiembre. Such an event shocked the Colombian establishment, headed by the Minister of Culture and the Mayor of Popayán, who raised its indignation voice and put a prize on the heads of the responsibles. This is the typical Colombian state's attitude in which protest is demonized and social leaders are criminalized, turning them into targets of violence. Reactions against these actions performed by the MISAC include accusations of vandalism, terrorism, and even real threats to the lives of the people who knocked down the statue. The indigenous authorities spoke to the press, explaining the importance of such ritual action even after 400 years. They were claiming justice for their memory and their territory. On the other hand, we must celebrate the movement hashtag Alcalde Fui Yo, which means hashtag Mayor It Was Me, that came out as a local citizen's defense and support towards the MISAC when the police wanted to incarcerate their responsibles. Finally, after negotiations and public discussions, the Colombian government agreed with the MISAC community that the statue will not return to the top of the sacred pyramid again. That empty space opened the possibility for an active dialogue in a society with selective amnesia, which covers its eyes in front of a history of dispossession and dehumanization. Colombia, as many other colonized or ex-colonized countries in Latin America, is an example of the nation state's failure, imposing itself as the modern protagonist against indigenous sovereignty and also perpetuating the marginalization of African descendants, forging a precarious and essentially corrupted mock homeland. Thank you very much, listeners, for tuning into Stravagant Mortals. This was the introduction to the second season of this podcast. As I said at the beginning, this was a small summary of our last episode in Spanish, a slightly shorter version. In the making of this research at the beginning of the year, there was the assault on the capital in the U.S. and also the finally peaceful possession of Joe Biden in Washington. We wanted to make a comment about it. 
What happened at the Capitol is an historical event, and that being historical, I think, has to be looked at with perspective. That is so to say, analyzed afterwards. But what we know about what happened that day is just bloody madness. Basically, madness that reveals the delicate situation of dispute that the world is in. The truth is in dispute. More seriously, the facts are in dispute. The very reality of the people seems to be in dispute. Whether things can be proven or not is unfortunately no longer of any use. Finally, this revolt, this caricaturing of the masses, was based on clearly false premises. We wanted to bring it briefly because not everything that is similar is exactly the same. Indigenous people knocking down colonial monuments and, for example, the Islamic State blowing up Buddha figures are not the same. We cannot fall into this simplistic essentialism. We have to be very contextual and precise to talk about what José Medina calls epistemic interactions. So violently eradicating any object that does not correspond to their political religious project is not the same as protesting against institutions that publicly exalt and glorify people who have exercised violence against a sector of society. We cannot call these protests violent, dear white people. Anti-racist iconoclasm, as we might call it, is an act of vindication of the culture of memory. Statues are not objective representations. These so-called philanthropists build their fortune on the bodies of slaves. Let's not get into that false dilemma, that false sense of permanence that monuments give, that false construction of history. The fact that some can tell their version, or rather that power and hegemony can tell their version of history, is called injustice. This epistemic injustice, oppression and inequality calls for resistance. And that's where you come in. Yes, you who are listening, who want to talk and tell us your opinion. Tell us if you have to resist, how do you resist? But if not, if you're doing great and still have some minimum empathy for the other, how do you think you could show your solidarity? This is a podcast of cultural opinion and I am emphatic about that because we as artists and researchers stand from art as producers of culture. I believe that together with philosophy, social sciences, journalism, politics, we try to build society. However, it's a bit different. The paths of art are different and we stand from the ground we know where we recognize the production of culture as an essential axis for the construction of collective memory. The paths of art are different. Please contact us. I am Manuela Llera, director and producer of this podcast. You can write us at extravagantmortals at gmail.com. Send me a private message on Instagram at edmanuelaillera. All the content links are in the description, along with links to some of the sources we use for documentation. If you want PDF texts to go deeper, you can tell us. I want to thank Lina Bravo, Catalina Gomez for their contributions and research, and Violeta del Sol for her piece, Humeda Espesa Gravida, 
this amazing atmospheric piece that we listened to in the intervention about the Misak action. Sound design and music is originally composed and produced for this podcast. You can find some of these tunes and some other sound experiments on my website and my Vimeo channel on manuelahillera.com. If you like this episode, please consider sharing and don't forget to tag us in your IG stories that we will replicate. You'll hear from us. Peace. Mortales extra.